welcome to Small Steps Living, the The podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordaff, bringing you inspiring stories to help you transform your life one small step at a time. Here at Small Steps Living, we're keeping it real. Kick back and And enjoy enjoy the show. show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this very special episode of the podcast. I have one of my favourite people in the world with me today. Say hello to my husband, Nick. Special, eh? Yeah. Well, right now you are because you're doing me a favour on the podcast. Yeah, and I bought you uh, coffee this morning. Yes, okay. It's totally special. So we have holed ourselves up in our little podcast room at home and our three children are upstairs sleeping. And we've done it today because... There's been a conversation brewing in the Small Steps Living membership, and it's amongst women who have kind of seen the light with food. They've realised that there's changes that they'd like to make to their family food, and they're trying really hard. And it's, as we all know, anyone who's tried to make really any lifestyle changes, it's a, it requires flexing new muscles and learning a lot. And I think when we start to realise that the food we're eating is impacting on our physical health, but our mental health too, and so many different things, we kind of, we want to go all out. We get excited. We get pumped and we want to share it with everyone we know. The thing is that No one really likes to be told to change. And these women are butting up against partners who aren't as thrilled about the changes to their their family food that they are. And they asked me, what's the deal with Nick? Can he maybe talk to our guys? Can he tell us, you know, what, what has it meant for him that to be with someone who, let's face it, like I loved food, but I wasn't in any way, shape or form, like I I didn't know what that, you know, additive in ice cream was doing or, yeah, I was just, I I just grew up in the 80s and 90s and had a pretty standard diet like so many of us. And then when my eyes started to open, it, it did change things for him. So we are here today tonight to have a conversation with you to share a little bit about Nick's view of our move to a whole foods lifestyle, totally imperfect whole foods lifestyle, but um, definitely a change nonetheless. So to kick things off, um, I'd like to ask Nick, it's weird. He's oh sitting right next Lord. to me. <laughs> Here we go. So um, I just, I guess it would be good for everyone to know a little bit about where you came from. Like what was the food that you grew up eating? That I grew up eating? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, I've got a couple of questions for you, Lisa. What? No. No. Stick to the script, buddy. The thing that I'm confused about is that uh, – when we first met, yeah, uh, you were a totally different person in terms of food. Yeah. So I had uh, an upbringing of, you know, it was actually pr- pretty conventional with uh, mother and father and the father worked full time and the, the mother cooked. She was a stay-at-home mum. 
So... Raising four boys. So she didn't just cook all day. No, no. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, when I met you, I already had a sense of uh, of food and the family. Yeah. And um, my interpretation of you when we first met was food didn't matter in terms of cooking and socialisation. Uh, socialisation is the wrong word, but in terms of, of cooking and making making something really huge every night, it didn't mean that much to you. No. No. I mean, the first meal that my mum really taught me or the first meal when we moved out of home, I was like, I have a fantastic pumpkin risotto recipe that you make in the microwave. You just throw everything in and you put it in the microwave. And we lived on that. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. my mum didn't really sit and stir risotto. No. Uh, Yeah, I think... My my mum my mum did yeah, uh, but that that's that's a cultural thing. So your mother worked full time. Yeah. So we had definitely different upbringings. But also your dad was is Croatian and had certain expectations about food. Grew a lot of his own food. Yeah, had a big veggie garden. So I didn't know the idea of what fresh produce was. So in terms of um, upbringing, I certainly had an introduction to food as a cultural thing. Yeah. Uh, So I took pride in it. So when we used to talk about food as a young couple, especially when we first moved out, it was already about, hey, let's go to the, hey, we've discovered a new farmer's market. I mean, it was important. There was some kind of sense of um, heritage there. Yeah. That was that was special, but it meant more than just filling your tummy. It was it was definitely bigger than that for me. Yeah, and I remember at the first place we lived at, we lived in Sydney for five years, and Nick built a veggie garden on top of our concrete uh, inner west back garden, and it thrived. <laughs> let me just let me just say that it thrived. You did a great job, and. Uh, in, in actual fact, the Inner West um, house was owned by Italians. So lo and behold, Italians cover everything with concrete and uh, are still <laughs> able to grow tomatoes somehow. Unbelievable. I mean, I think this is important to share because um, it shows people like what we're doing for our kids right now is establishing what they will know and believe about food in the future. And that is so important. And for many of us, we are re-establishing these things. You know, when I first met Nick and uh, most of the time I'd pop around to his parents' house and his dad would be in, in the garden and digging something up and his mum would be thinking about a way to use up all that damn zucchini and they were huge. And so there was just this kind of, this is our food and then this is then we prepare it. But then I must say... The person who was living in a shared house with three other dudes in his mid-twenties was not so much the... Yeah, he changed. Yeah. So, you know, it, it hasn't all been roses. But there's there's definitely a memory there. But, uh, you know, when you move into a share house, bravado takes over, right? And you're, you're living with a lot of different types of people. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I forsake eating food uh, and... uh, Buy the slab instead. Yeah, and I still, you know, am, you know, partake in the old um, long neck of VB now Uh, and then. 
Oh, yeah, just <laughs> once in a while. He has one next to him. Not really. Um, but but back then, the guy who I got to know, he was you weren't um, you weren't driven by food. Like I remember meeting you, going, "This guy needs a feed. He really needs a feed." So I'd bring over Dad's minestrone or something to just feed him up because food wasn't on your agenda at that stage of your life. It was booze, cigarettes, and charcoal chicken. Yeah, but there are priorities, right? If you're trying to approve yourself and um, pay the rent, you got to do what you got to do. So, you know, booze and cigarettes will get you there. <laughs> oh, I fell in love with that. So weird. Um, so, okay, so then I guess we moved out together and um, and then – and then our life took hold. And here we are today, which is in a pretty different place uh, for a number of reasons. And a lot of um, the people in my community know the reasons why my eyes were open to food. Uh, and, you know, a big part of that was our son being born and just thinking, man, I don't want to ruin this. And so many of us sort of wake up and start thinking about what we're eating and what we're feeding our children at that stage. And I took it a step further by doing some study and then, and now obviously I, I created a business around trying to help other people just start eating a bit more real food because it was a big learning journey for me. And as I went on that journey, inevitably you came too. And I know a lot of the time it hasn't been easy and there's been some weird stuff tried, <laughs> but as someone who... Well, I guess you were sort of stuck in your ways, but like I was too. How did you find, because this is what a lot of people come up against, they start to want to make changes, but they feel a bit of resistance or the person who they're living with doesn't want to come along on the ride. But tell me how what it was like for you when things st first started to kick off and did you feel resistance? Were you excited? Uh, wow, that's a, that's a big one, Lise. Um, so I suppose your, your food journey was definitely, you know, small, like incremental. And what I, what I was enjoying was, you know, the evolution, the evolution of you. If I can, if, if I can use that perspective, it wasn't necessarily about, okay, what's she shoving in my face? It was like, Hey, um, this is your new interest and I'm enjoying that. Just as I was into, you know, philosophy and I'm still studying that kind of stuff, you, I'm hoping you're enjoying, you know, my, my evolution. So I've always, I've, I've always tried to, uh, take a step back and go, hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this because you're my partner and I'm just loving watching you just, just change and grow and, uh, Let's see what you're going to feed me tonight. But in saying that, I'm not necessarily the guy that comes home and go and, and waits for food to be put on the table. I mean, we are definitely not um, not that couple. And what we are trying to do is be self aware enough to go, hey, this is a cultural thing. We are both um, of a generation whose parents uh, were, you know. Dad was a nine-to-fiver, came home and expected certain things a certain way. 
um, we're both self-aware enough to go, hang on, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. And certainly, certainly it's not in our household and we're trying to redress the balance. Yeah. Um, so I think your change has been um, instrumental in, in me growing, to, yep. to, be, to be quite frank. Yep. You know, I've sort of nice. tried to, to, to step up as you've stepped up. Yeah. You know, especially in your your food journey cuz I don't think it's about food for you. I think it's more about self-discovery. Yeah. Um and uh that's been really important for me because uh just because you like to cook a strange fish cake doesn't mean that it's just about the strange fish cake. <laughs> yeah. I think I that's really nice of you to say that actually. I'm just going to sit there and take that one because uh I think that I have been lucky in the way that you, you didn't, you, there's been some things where you're like, you might have gone too far with the, the zucchini pasta. Um, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah, but for sure. at the end of the day, you gave it a try and you, you, know, you appreciate that I am trying. And I think that you haven't shown resistance in terms of um, the food, but there have been things that you definitely have shown resistance to. And I think that that's for another episode when it comes to our relationship and, and working and, you know, what creating a business out of this food thing has meant. So that's another episode. Mm, but, um, but for now, I know 100% that when you start to feel better in yourself, which I started to feel better when I got rid of a lot of the processed and packaged foods, you just want everyone else to feel better. And it can be frustrating when you think that people don't want to. But I'd like to ask you, because I'm sure, especially if there's any of the guys watching this, and as you said before, we're very conscious that this is sounding like a man works, comes home from work and, um, you know, dinner is cooked by partner who has been at home with children or worked and and done dinner. And so yeah. we're really conscious that, that it doesn't have to be that way and we're making moves in our relationship to change that up. But right now, I have been making the babies. I am working from home. It is where Nick does work full time and it's where we're at. But yeah, For uh, the moment. For the moment. And on weekends, things change up. And on Wednesdays, when I'm out with the kids with swimming I come home to dinner on the table. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Um, but right now, I would like to know mm. that as we've made these changes, have you felt improvements to your health, like physically, mentally? Uh, wow. Well, okay, improvements. That's a yes. Well, have uh, you felt different? Like, do you think it's been worth it? Yeah. Wow, that's a big question. Okay, there's a lot to say there, Lisa. You put me on the spot. Um. Yes, certainly it has. But I'm going to go back to just thinking aloud here. I'm going to go back to the the educational piece because right at the start of this podcast, I said that when I first met you, I didn't. You weren't really into um, this whole food thing. You know, it was Canton and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and what I've enjoyed is um, the educational piece. You know, of, of your personality. So I've really learned from you, you know, you, we're integrated as, as far yeah. as um, ever, we whether we stuff. like it or not. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so that failed zucchini slice that you cooked a couple zucchini of weeks. Pasta. Yeah. Um, I'm going to learn from that whether I like it or not. So I guess that's a long way of saying that it has helped me because I've learned a lot myself. So when I wake up in the morning, um, there are really simple changes that I've already made, such as, okay, Nick, maybe, maybe milk isn't necessarily always mandatory for breakfast. I used to just pound on the, um, throw on the milk with the, uh, the, the muesli. Uh, I don't necessarily have muesli anymore. You know, it is a smoothie with avocado. I know it sounds a bit weird, <laughs> but um, that wasn't necessarily just one, a jump from one thing to the next. It was, a, it was a transition as you've transitioned as well, Lise. Yeah, small steps. Uh, but it has been a really big educational piece for me. And so I, you think finding out the why behind why certain changes are being made has helped you? Yes, and also understanding what try, what type of why are you trying to create a revolution within our household? Mm-hmm. Not just, hey, Nick, here is something, put it in your mouth. It's, I think we should do this because of, yes. and I've seen the reaction in, and I've read in the paper that all that type of stuff. And then it sort of just makes me think. So when I'm on the bus on the way to work, I'm like, well, maybe that muesli bar is full of sugar and I will pick it up and read the packet. And uh, without sugar after a couple of weeks, I do generally notice when I put uh, a couple of Freddos in my mouth because of a kid's birthday party, I will start to get, you know, a slight sort of migraine feeling. And I don't know whether that's a good sign or a bad sign, but um, <laughs> I certainly feel the effects of of sugar consumption, which is strange. Yeah. It's awesome. And a lot of people don't even get that chance to feel how their body feels when they have that stuff because they're, they're having it all the time. Um, I think that's a really, I think that's a really awesome point. And I am thankful that you've been open to the learning about it, but I also do remember times when you're like, this is too far, like, <laughs> you know, mm. you're taking it too far. Um, I I just want to also say that something else that Small Stepper, that comes up all the time um, in my programs and in the membership and even on my Facebook page, where people say that they're trying so hard to, to make changes, especially with their kids. And it's not even that the partner is getting grumpy and he's, you know, doing whatever. It's which, you know, by the way, like they're on their own journey and we have to be cool with that. Like we just have to let go sometimes. There are habits that Nick has that drive me crazy mm. and same goes. And we just have to be cool with that. But the point that I'd love, love to talk about next is the issue with kids and when we as um, primary caregivers or whoever is the person making most of the food in the family is is really trying to get rid of the additives and preservatives, is really trying to go back to basics with food, load them up with good stuff, and then someone comes along, be it a partner, a grandparent, an auntie or uncle, whoever it is, and is just 
sort of feels like they undo a lot of the good work because we get to see the reaction our kids have to this stuff. We might be trying to keep a kid away from dairy because of tummy upsets and that's definitely happened in our family. Or um, it might be that a certain child reacts really badly to a certain colour or flavour or whatever it is and then they just get given it. And it's so, it's so frustrating. And there's been times where I'm like, you've done what? What? Okay, you deal with them now or whatever it is. So I'd love to get your insight into what's actually, what's going on there. My insight or my uh, defence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, both. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily about the food in that instance, Lise. Um, and this is our current paradigm, right? Love it or loathe it, I I am going on a bus every day for eight hours, coming home, and uh, on the weekends, these three little strangers pop up on a Saturday morning and go, Daddy, 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 you, you know, the guys that I haven't seen all week. And I'm like, oh, wow, what is my two-and-a-half-year-old like at 11 o'clock in the morning? There she is. I never knew that she was so cute. And she's asking me for a lollipop. Okay. And you don't understand that the joy, or it's it's a very quick path to joy when you, uh, you know, give that little lollipop when you've taken her to the milk bar on the way home from the park and you go, oh, my God, she is the cutest and most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I know that already, but there is a certain fire that's lit up so quickly and in such a short space of time, you know, it's only a Saturday or a Sunday day and it's, it's, it's what you do just to fill your cup until Tuesday or Wednesday when you're starting to get grumpy. So it's a cultural thing. So it's for you. Yeah, it is for me. Because um, it gives you a feeling or... You receive that love, that, oh, my God, Daddy, thank you. Like, that's what you're doing it for, is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't working full time. Oh, yeah, that old, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that yeah, old yeah. chestnut, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're not going to go there. Yeah. We're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I think that what you're saying, you know, and it's the grandparents too, you know, they want to be the ones to just go, come on, here you go. Mm. Don't don't tell mum. And it's just such a shame that food is used in that instance. And, you know, I'm I'm loosen I'm loosening up. And I, I don't think I am particularly hardcore on this stuff at all. But I I do know that there are people who have in-laws or um or even their own parents who just seem to either not believe what they're saying about the food and the impact it has on their kids um, or just defy and go, you know, F you, this is the way we do it around here and it's hard. It's hard for them, for the, well, in, in a lot of cases, the mother. Yeah, and I, I certainly don't do it to make your life harder and I, I do find it um, interesting that food is used as a bargaining chip in that instance. It's because it's one of the oldest bargaining chips in the in the world, right? There are obviously a lot of other things that I could use, such as, I don't know, um, you're not going to the park today or let's go to the park. But, um, you, you do know. You do all that stuff too. It's just. It's just the added sweetness in life. So we're just trying to, yeah. f what, what else is the added sweetness that, other than sugar? 
yeah. is our challenge, especially um, with our six-year-old oh. and our two-and-a-half-year-old. They're both sugar addicts or they're they've desperate just, for it. They yeah. have. The, they definitely have a sweet tooth. Our middle child is our savoury chick. Um, but, yeah, the older two. And now our son is like, got some pocket money and he's just finding excuses for other people when we were down in Melbourne to take him to 7-Eleven. And we're like, what is going on, this kid? Anyway, that's and that's another story. They'll uh, find a way. And so we've just got to be a little bit uh, less um, dictated, dictatorship oh, about it. that's a harsh word. I think, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. I find it hard because when I grew up, there was everything in the pantry. I had the barbecue shapes and the fun size milky ways and we had the lamington fingers and the iced vovos, is that what they were called? The pink ones. Yeah, yeah. the ones with icing and then the little fake jam and then the little, yeah, oh, my God, that was so good. And I would die if my kids had ate those. But though it was always there and I learned how to manage my own consumption of things. And I remember a friend, one of my best friends saying, Lisa, you're so lucky. My mum was always on a diet and we didn't have any food in our house. So when it came time, when I started earning a part-time wage, I went nuts. She put on a lot of weight. She was, you know, buying all sorts of things because it was forbidden and the forbidden stuff is everything you want. And I can see that I am going to be navigating this route and it's going to be hard because I like that I was brought up knowing what that stuff tasted like and being able to go, well, I don't, I don't need it all the time because it's not, it's not necessarily forbidden. Like mum was pretty strict. You can have one mint slice or whatever it is, but we still got a taste of it. And that's not going on here right now. Too no, much. and that's interesting. It's similar to the uh, alcohol with dinner concept that was just um, released today or yesterday. There was a study in the paper about, uh, you know, does um, feeding your kids alcohol small amounts at dinner encourage binge drinking? And uh, the study uh, leaned both ways. <laughs> so it wasn't really <laughs> definitive, yeah, unfortunately. Um, so, but, yeah, it's a, it's a tough road to navigate, because we can have ideas, we can know what this food does, we can think it's all a chemical cocktail, blah, 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 but the fact of the matter is our kids go to birthday parties and eat this food. The fact of the matter is they will, they could work in a hamburger joint when they turn, you know, 15. We don't, this is their world and we haven't excluded them. All we can do is really teach them as best we can and, you know, for all the women and men listening to this podcast, I, you know, we, I didn't make up small steps. Like we live by it. We are constantly learning new things. We're constantly trying out new stuff. We're constantly being kind to ourselves. And, f you know, it's, it's not an all or nothing for us by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know of anyone who's got this totally sorted out, who has really little kids. It's easier to reason with, with older kids. I am hoping. But right now, it's 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 a road that we're navigating and and trying all the time. So thank you for sharing a little bit about um about where you've been at 
have you got anything else that that you would like to add or was there another question? Oh, hang on. I needed to ask you. Okay, yeah. I needed to ask you about if you had any, because we're all about small steps, right? So at the end of most interviews, I ask people, mm-hmm. um, have you got any small steps that any of the, well, they're probably guys or if there's any women who are being grumpy about their men making changes, this is for you. Um that they could take if their if their partner's on the road to eating healthier and they're feeling a bit bit grumps about it. If the man is feeling grumps, is that the question? What yeah. does what does the man do? Yeah. If the man is the one <clears throat> grumpy about the change. You know, it might be a man trying to make the healthy changes and the woman's yeah. grumpy. But yeah, you get it. Okay. Um I guess <laughs> I, I guess for me, what I what I first did was um, look at my small circle of influence, right? I knew I was brought up in a very, you know, structured nuclear family and um, that was very biased. So I had to look at that s- small circle of influence and go, hang on a sec, I'm only looking at looking at it from that perspective. There must be a wider world out there. That's just my story. And obviously, Lisa, you are trying something new. So I stepped back from myself. You know, I tried to be a little bit more self-aware. Yep. That was, that was the big thing. And, and, and in doing that, I'm like, okay, what's really going on here? She's obviously wanting to improve and I'm included in that journey. So I was thankful. So I started to, just to be a little bit more gracious and accepting and say, thank you. You know, I know it's more about the kids than me usually, but uh, you're doing it for a reason and the reason is usually or well, obviously always good. So that was sort of getting out of my own way and saying thank you. Yeah. You know, that, that sort yeah, of opened me up a little bit. Things that the way that you grew up or what you knew about food or even how we had set up our life, you could step back and look at it and see that it could be done differently. Yeah, absolutely. And you were yep. thankful. That's nice. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that, you know, I would think of a lot of the time is, <laughs> and I, I don't have a shed, but, you know, if I had a shed, a man's shed where, and I'm talking, I must sound disgusting with all these stereotypes, but you're out there in the shed and, um, and uh, someone comes in and tries to tell you how to do something and all you're trying to do is make a table, for example, and the table actually means something for the family. You know, you're trying to do something with your own hands and your own mind to improve, you know, your your family. Um, that's what I thought Lisa was trying to do for us, even though it felt like she was um, encroaching on my space. Uh, if I sort of turn, turned it and looked at it from that perspective, I thought, yeah, it is uncomfortable, but, um, you know, I like to build tables for the family. She likes to cook for the family and uh, we're all trying to do our best. As sexist as that sounds, just hear me out here. I don't have a shed and I, <laughs> I don't build tables. <laughs> I was thinking, what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> <laughs> Building tables. But it's all about intention, right? That's what I'm trying to get at. 
um, there was there was an intention there, and I tried to just. Just, just switch it and think, well, when I'm trying to do something nice for the family and you come barging in and saying, hey, what the hell is this? That would really hurt my feelings. Mm. Um, mm. So I was just trying to put, you, put it, look at it from your point of view. Because I often try and do things for the family um, that are misinterpreted. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's, yeah, not building tables, but there are, there are definitely things that are misinterpreted. So it... I guess my suggestion is, is just, uh, it all comes down to communication. As banal as that sounds, food is so much bigger than just what's on your plate. There's cultural things. Yeah. Um, there's intention health. there. There's health. Um, there's, yeah, there's definitely psychological things at play as oh, well. Yeah, so, yeah. um, it's a, it's a big basket of worms. I, I mean, the, that small step really is about being gentle on on your on your partner who is trying to make these changes and be as supportive as you can. So I love it. Thank you. And thank you for being you and for letting me go on this journey. And I know that we'll we'll be on it for a long time. Um, I, I also think it's been super handy for you to have skin in the game. So like like the way you used to grow veggies or herbs and we haven't done that in, in Queensland. Uh, in these rentals, it's a little bit harder, but doing the making the fermented foods, which really came out of your love of beer and <laughs> you know home brewing beer, but just getting experimental with something and being able to kind of just find your place within it. Like the kids love those pickles, they love the sauerkraut and the kefir, like all oh, daddy's special drink, and that's a nice. That's a it's a great thing to do and it's just you, you know, getting down with some cabbage and jars stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, I thank you for sharing this and I hope it's been valuable to you guys to hear that, you know, we don't have it all worked out and it's been a process for us and Nick as uh, I think I've been lucky that he's had a background in real food. I thank his mum for that. And also that, you know, he knows how to make gnocchi and stuff. That's my grandmother. So thank you, Nono. Nono, Nono. 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 Oh God, thank you for that. Oh gosh. It's a great thing. Um, and yeah, feel free to share with us anytime. Um, keep the conversation going about how you're going to support your partner in making the changes. And, um, and us chicks will all, all stick together and keep on our mission of, of helping to improve the food our family is eating. And lastly, you know, just for my own benefit, if uh, there are any lingering questions that you, that you want to uh, ask me, I'd be more than happy to um, pass th my answers on through Lisa um, if they are a little bit hairy and, um, you know, involve your men more than happy to uh, give it a crack. <laughs> Might have to get you into the membership. But you can also find this episode on the website. If you go to blog, podcast and find this episode, then you can leave comments underneath and Nick will be more than happy to answer. Thank you so much for listening and thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. For more inspiration, interviews and know-how, head to smallstepsliving.com. Small Steps Living inspiring your best life one small step at a time. <laughs>